The name of the sermon is called Into the Wild. Now this is going to be a very interesting sermon and I believe that this is going to be applicable to each and every person. Now if you're paying attention, you will realize what the Lord is trying to say to you. But if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss what God is trying to bless you with. And understanding what we're going to understand today is going to enable us to get through the wilderness. Can you say amen to that? Does anybody know who this gentleman is? Anybody ever heard of this gentleman? Or seen this gentleman, perhaps, in a movie or in a book? Okay, very good. This man's name is Christopher McCandles. Christopher McCandles. He is no longer living. He was a very sharp man, a very intelligent young person. He graduated from Emory University with high honors. One day, shortly after his graduation, he decides he is done with civilization, and he decides to go into the wilderness. So what he does, he cuts off all communication with his family. He takes his $24,000 life savings and gives it to some charity. He buys a 22 rifle, gets some backpacking gear, and heads off to the Alaskan wilderness. And there he spends several months in the Alaskan wilderness, and he encounters so many things. He was completely in the boonies away from civilization. Miles away, places where you have to take a plane to get to this place. Parts still considered unexplored. With grizzly bears and all sorts of uh, dangerous creatures, he spent in the wilderness away from civilization. And all he had was his gun. He had learned how to hunt. And so he was killing moose and surviving off what he was killing. However, things begin to take place out there. Storms started happening. Blizzards started taking place. And he found a little bus that was, um, it was just, it was just a bus that had broken down and somebody left it there years ago. And there you can see where that bus is right there in the middle of the woods. And there he spent several months. Sometimes he would go crazy. And the way we know about this is because he wrote a journal. And in his journal, he was chronicling all the things that were taking place during this time of being completely isolated from the rest of civilization. Left with his own mind. Some of the thoughts that were hitting him over and over again is the pain that he caused many people, much of his family back in the city. He was trying to find something. He was trying to discover who he was. And in the wilderness, he encountered some harsh conditions. Eventually, a storm took place, and he was trapped out there in the bus. The storm stopped, and he decided that he was going to head back. He came to the conclusion, while he was in that bus, that he was going to go find his purpose, and his purpose was to love the very people who he, who he, was, who he grew up with. It was his family. He realized this is love, to spread it to other people. And when he finally came to that conclusion, he waited for the storm to stop. Finally, the storm stopped. And he decided he was going to cross and make his way back to the place where he could get picked up. He finds a river that had turned into this just mighty river, and he realizes that he can't cross it. And after his attempt and getting hurt, he decides to head back to the bus. He heads back to the bus. Food is running out. He decides to pick some plants. 
But this time, because of his, um, just his sickness and because he was so hungry and so tired, he accidentally picks some poison plants and he eats them and he gets sick. And he begins to get sicker and sicker, completely cut off from the rest of the world. No cell phone, nobody to call, no email to write. He was completely alone. And there in that bus, he died. Two weeks later, hunters were actually traveling in that area and found that bus and found his body. Ladies and gentlemen, what you are looking at right now is a true story. They actually made a film about it. It's called Into the Wild. It's a gruesome film. I want to suggest that you watch it. It's very morbid and fatalistic. But what you see in this very interesting story, you find out about a man who was alive, who went into the wilderness and did not come out alive. He went into the wilderness with hopes and with dreams and a purpose. Yet he did not fulfill any of those things and he perished in the wilderness. Now the reason why I'm bringing this up today is because today's sermon is about every person's wilderness experience. And whether you want to believe it or not, you have a wilderness experience. And every person is either about to go into the wilderness, is in the middle of the wilderness, or maybe coming out of the wilderness. But every person has a wilderness experience. It's a time of extreme testing. A time where you are tried to the very core of your soul. It's a time where you are led just to depend wholly upon God and you have to endure, you have to endure, and you have to wait until God blesses you. And it's a time of great struggling. In fact, when God led His people through the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness, He told them the very purpose of why He led the children of Israel into the wilderness for 40 years. This is what He said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years where? In the wilderness to humble you and to what? Test you. Now watch this. To know what was in your what? Heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. When God leads a person into the wilderness, his very purposes are to test you. And sometimes you're experiencing humble, humble experiences that try you to the very core of your soul. And you're brought to the point of test. And God is seeing if you will still be faithful to Him. Circumstances are no longer comfortable in the wilderness experience. Forty years the children of Israel traveled into the wilderness. And there they encountered all sorts of hardship. All sorts of temptation. And danger stalked them every corner. Ladies and gentlemen, many of us have gone into the wilderness. And many of us have not returned spiritually alive. Some of us are in the middle of the wilderness right now and saying, Lord, where are you? And this time of struggling and this time of endurance, God is trying to communicate something very special. He was intentional about leading the children of Israel into the wilderness. And look again what it says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 1. And remember that the Lord your God, what was that next word? Led you all the way these 40 years where? In the wilderness, now here's the purpose, why? To humble you and to what? Test you to know what was in your what? Why does God want to know what's in our heart? Doesn't He already know? He wants us to understand what our heart's composition is really made of. 
And oftentimes it's in the midst of temptation or trial that we begin to discover that all our promises are nothing but ropes of sand. Look what else the Bible says. Whether or you would keep his commandments or not. God also tests your loyalty during the wilderness experience. And that's very important because many people, they come into the wilderness experience and they don't leave alive, spiritually alive. And all the things that they were supposed to have learned in the wilderness, they failed to learn. And again, God has to painfully repeat the process. Ladies and gentlemen, God has a wilderness experience for every person here. Every person, God has a wilderness experience. And as I said to you before, either you're going into it, you're in the middle of it, or you're coming out of it. And God has a wilderness experience for every single person here. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to survive the wilderness. Can you say amen to that? And we're going to take a good look how Jesus' wilderness experience took place. Look what the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. This is a very interesting account about Jesus' ministry or his journey into the wilderness. Right after he was baptized. Now pay attention to that. Right after he was baptized, the Bible says this. Immediately the Spirit drove him where? Into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by who? Satan. And was with the who? Wild beast. Now this is a very interesting account. This account is not mentioned in the other Gospels. Look what else the Bible says. And the angels ministered to him. When Jesus was in the wilderness experience, he dealt with three powers. He dealt with demonic powers. He dealt with earthly powers. And he also dealt with heavenly powers. Which is very interesting because during your wilderness experience, a time of testing, you will deal with the same Three powers. Either it will be demonic powers, earthly powers, or heavenly powers where God is trying to teach you to trust in Him. Ladies and gentlemen, every person has a wilderness experience. And I'm not talking about going out to Yosemite, ladies and gentlemen. I am talking about spiritually a place where God leads you, where you are being tried. And oftentimes the wilderness experience will come after some spiritual victory in your life. After some great victory in your life, all of a sudden you're brought into the wilderness. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just be very frank with you. There are many people who start off going into the spiritual wilderness. And their bodies are strewn across all the place. They never walked out alive. But God is calling us, like never before, to find out how Jesus made it through his wilderness experience. Can you say amen to that? Now, what's very interesting, this took place right after the baptism of Jesus. The world at that time, 2,000 years ago, had a great misrepresentation of God. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he was there to contest the dominion of Satan. Now, let me ask you a question. Does Satan believe that he is the ruler of this world, yes or no? How do you know that? Where does he say so? Oh, the voice is quieted down right there. Where does Satan say that he is the ruler of this world? I like that answer. Just tell us. Somebody says, while he was in the desert. Job. Okay, you have a very interesting account in Job. One day God is looking at all the various individuals in the universe, and then all of a sudden Lucifer shows up on behalf of planet Earth, and God says, "Where are you? what are you doing here? And he says, I'm walking up and down planet Earth. And God says, Really? 
Let me ask you a question. Does Satan believe he is the ruler of this world? How is he the ruler of this world? Is there a capital city named Lucifer City that's in the United States? And do not say Modesto. Is there a government document that says that the world belongs to Lucifer? Then how do you know he's the ruler of this world? And if you just say, well, he says so. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people say things, but how do you know? How do you know he is the ruler of this world or claims to be the ruler of this world or claims to have dominion? How do you know? If you think you have the answer, please raise your hand. Steve Tatum. Well, he offers it to Jesus, but he didn't offer it to the rest of us. How do you know he claims dominion over this world? How do we know? Like, how do we actually know that Lucifer claims dominion, that he actually has dominion on this planet? Is there a capital city that says Lucifer City? Is there a government document that says the U.S. Constitution of Lucifer? Millie Brown. So you're saying... The way we understand Lucifer have dominion in this world is because of the fact that people are partaking of sin. Let me ask you a question, Millie Brown. How do you connect sin to Lucifer's government? Okay. Well, how do you connect? I'm still trying to ask. How do you connect sin to the dominion of Lucifer? We say this planet... The Bible teaches also that Lucifer has dominion over this planet or claims dominion over this planet. Jesus says he's the ruler of this world. The Bible says he's the prince of the power of the earth. How do we know? There is no capital city that says Lucifer. Do people walk around that say, you know, have a, a flag that says Lucifer on? Well, some people do. But not most people. How do we know Lucifer thinks he's in charge of this planet or claims? How about you? So you're saying kind of what Millie Brown says. That disobedience is allegiance to the government of Lucifer. Is that what you're saying? Are you sure you're saying that? We'll take one more. How about you? Does much of the world know that they're serving Lucifer? Well, how do you know they are? Well, you're saying scripture tells me so, but I'm asking for a reason. Okay, we're going right back to the same part. Spot. And we touch on it. I'll just stop right here. But here's what I want you to understand, okay, ladies and gentlemen, is that disobedience is Lucifer's property. Where people are disobedient, the devil has property. The reason why Lucifer has dominion is because what? Most of the world is rejecting what? God. So therefore, Lucifer has a dominion in heaven. In heaven, how come God waited until the cross to completely expel Lucifer? Because the universe was still what? Open, and open to his doubt. So where Lucifer has an audience, ladies and gentlemen, he has property. Now the reason why Jesus showed up is that he came to dispute that dominion. He came to dispute that rulership. You know, let me tell you a very interesting story. I was thinking about this as I was preparing the sermon. Now, one day when I was with the youth evangelism team, I was traveling. And sometimes when we celebrate after like an evangelistic series, we'll go to a place like a restaurant. And we went to this place called California Pizza Kitchen. You ever been there? Don't ever go there. It's extremely unhealthy. Okay? I went there. Okay? We went there. 
And we, you know, we're having dinner and stuff with the, the youth evangelism team. And I look off in the corner and there's an arcade. And I see this one Asian kid. And he's playing this arcade game. And there's this line of people right behind him. And he's just playing, you know, sipping his drink while he was playing. And he was just doing this really quickly. He was like in a trance or something. And he was just beating all these people that were lined up right behind him. And I was watching the whole thing. Well, here's something to understand about me. Is that when I was ditching college classes, I would go to the arcade a lot. And I happened to play that video game one hour a day for six months. And I decided, okay, it's like, it's time to teach the young man a lesson. So what I did is I got into line. You know, I'm taller than all these little kids that were there. And I'm there, and I get up to him, and finally, like, he's just beating everybody. Then I get up, and you know, like I said, I played that game six months straight until I could beat it for half, in half an hour. I got up there, and I beat him really quickly. He got really upset. He got to the back of the line, got right back in line. Okay? He came right back up after I beat the next person, and I beat him real quickly. Everybody else stopped getting in line, and they were just watching. And you know what he did? He took quarters out and started putting them along the rack of the video game. And he kept putting quarters in, and I kept beating him every time. And he was just like making these noises like he was frustrated. Now here's the thing. Lucifer has defeated every person who came before Christ. He claims dominion. Jesus showed up to dispute that dominion. And at the very place that Adam and Eve fell, Jesus takes up the, takes up the helm and he begins the battle with Lucifer. Look what the Bible says right after his baptism. Immediately the Spirit drove him in the wilderness and he was there in the wilderness how many days? Forty days tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. When you look at the number 40, it appears throughout scripture. And it is always applicable to times of great testing, to times of chastisement, to a time of humbleness. The first time you read about the word 40 is when God is pouring out rain upon the earth for how many days? Forty days and forty nights, right? And you can imagine Noah and his family inside the ark saying, Lord, I hope that this walls of this ark is going to be lasting through this flood. You look at the children of Israel. Forty years they went through the desert because of their rejection of God. And they went through a time of testing. You look at what the Bible says at the time when the spies went into the Holy Land. And what the Bible says is that they were there for 40 days. And it was a time of testing as they were looking at all the giants that were there. Over and over again, you look at Moses, 40 years he spent into the wilderness as a shepherd, learning how to unlearn the things he had learned in Egypt. And 40 years always represents a time of great testing. And so Jesus takes up the helm and he begins the battle where Adam and Eve lost it in the garden, the wilderness experience. And sure enough, you know who shows up into the wilderness experience? Take your Bible and let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Let's start with verse 1. Can you say amen if you're there? Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 1, page 937. Now let's see what the scripture says right here. It's very interesting. Let's start with verse 1 actually. Then Jesus was led out by the who? Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now did Jesus know he was about to be tempted by Satan? Yes or no? There is no indication he knew. Who was, who was leading him, ladies and gentlemen? The Holy Spirit. He was just following the Holy Spirit. Now let's see what happens. Now Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the what? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit knew Jesus was about to be tempted, so he led him, he circumvented him into the wilderness experience where he might be able to overcome the attacks of Lucifer. Look what it says in verse 2. And when he had fasted how many days? 
40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was what? Hungry. Now watch verse 3. This is very interesting. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of who? God, command that these stones become bread. Now this is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. How many days did did Jesus uh, fast? 40 days. Now how many people have ever fasted more than 3 days? Raise your hand. 10 days. I'm talking no food. Harlan. Man, you're tough. Oh, okay, the size. 15 days. 20 days? Got this little kid here. He's the only one that did it. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know that Jesus was so hungry and he was so tired, completely absorbed in communion with God? And you can imagine as coming at the end of it, he was probably very tired, struggling. And as he was just in the wilderness, coming to an end, he was right there at the very end, all of a sudden the Bible says something. Look what it says. Now when the tempter shows up. Who shows up? Tempter. By the way, the first time Lucifer shows up, he's called the tempter. Look at the second temptation, he's called the devil. And the third temptation, Jesus calls him Satan. Very interesting. What's happening here? His identity is being unmasked. So the Bible says this. Now when the tempter came to him, now watch this. If you are the Son of God, and by the way, what did the Bible say that was said at the baptism of Jesus? You are my beloved what? Son, who I I am well pleased with. All of a sudden, the devil shows up and look what he says. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become what? Brad, now let me ask you a question. Is there anything inherently wrong with turning stone into bread is there anything wrong with it I mean is there anything wrong with turning this podium into lasagna yes or no then why was the devil using that temptation ladies and gentlemen don't miss this point Jesus had committed himself to fast for 40 days and 40 nights the Holy Spirit led him in that fast And Jesus would not work a miracle to save himself. In fact, his divinity was laid aside. Now watch the first temptation of Lucifer. Because the first temptation is not inherently wrong of itself. But we're going to discover our first understanding in the wilderness experience and the devil's temptation during that time. Look what it says. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become what? Fred, this is very important. Don't miss this point. He was actually asking Jesus to deviate from the will of God. Which is very important. Because oftentimes Satan will bring his temptations. And the first temptation that he often brings to us doesn't really seem that bad. But he has a purpose and goal in this. And the very place where Adam and Eve lost dominion, Jesus picks up the battle right there. And the Bible says this. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And you can imagine when you're really hungry and you're just crawling and all of a sudden you see stones that are just smooth and curved and you think to yourself, that looks like Mother Georgia's bread. That's what you think. And here Jesus is, he's looking at it and the devil says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why that's super important is because the devil was bringing a temptation to begin his agenda. 
And oftentimes his agenda begins with things that seem very harmless. A deviation, slight deviation, a slight deviation here. And what he is doing, he is trying to lead you down a path. Now pay attention to the very first thing he says right there. It's very interesting. If you are the Son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, what did the Father tell Jesus? You are my Son. So what is Satan trying to get Jesus to disbelieve? The words of the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the first ways that Satan breaks us down in the wilderness experience, whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or 30 years or 50 years, the first thing he wants to do is to begin to start you to start doubting the words of God. In other words, maybe God didn't really mean that. Ladies and gentlemen, as I said up there when, you were, when I was baptizing somebody, if God is speaking to you, it's because He knows you are ready to hear those words. And if He knows you're ready to hear those words, guess what? He knows you're ready to follow Him through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think to ourselves, yeah, I know what God's Word says, but... Sure, this is what the scripture says, however. And you know what we're doing? Ladies and gentlemen, we're listening to the temptations of Satan. Do you remember how Eve fell? Remember what the devil said to her? Has God really said this? And he began the downfall of Eve, and he begins our downfall. Sometimes in the wilderness experience, perhaps we're going through a tragedy or a troublesome time, or we're waiting for God to provide or to get us a job. Oftentimes, the very first place he begins is, God doesn't really mean what he is saying. And that is the first step. God's not actually going to provide for you. He's wanting you to take the initiative. And oftentimes, he does that temptation And he causes us to act outside the will of God. In fact, do you remember what Jesus said to this temptation? It is written, man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every what? Word that appears out of the mouth of God. Do you know the three times that he quoted, it is written, it is written, it is written? He quoted from Deuteronomy. You know why Deuteronomy is so important? Because that is the book where God is reminding the people of Israel where they failed in the 40 years. So you, now you have an understanding what Jesus was probably studying during those 40 days. And so when those temptations came, he remembered the story of the Israelites, how they failed in the wilderness experience. And when they cried out for God to provide... Instead of waiting patiently. I have seen many Christians who come into the faith. Who learn these great truths. And all of a sudden a temptation comes for them to step outside the will of God. The plan of God to provide for their needs. And it's the first step to lure them away. There are some people who are not here anymore ladies and gentlemen. From the last evangelistic series. Because when they came in. Praise the Lord they were excited. And the tempter came to them. In fact, when you look at the story of the parable of the sower, who shows up in the very first gauntlet, part of the gauntlet? The birds of the air, to take away the word that was planted in their hearts. Ladies and gentlemen, the first way to survive the wilderness is what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that what? Proceeds from the mouth of God. Look what Job 23 verse 12 says. I have treasured the words of his what? mouth more than my necessary food. This is what Job says. He's like, look, I am going to partake of the word of God more than just eating my breakfast that morning. 
He was putting his trust in God and he knew what was priority in his life and what was priority was partaking of spiritual nourishment. And many of us are already spiritually hungry and God is trying to feed us. But guess what? Once a week on Sabbath is not enough to feed you. Amen? Every day you need to be partaking of God's word. In fact, look what Proverbs 20 verse 13 says. This was actually given to me a few days ago because I got up really in the morning. And I got up and I was just feeling really sleepy. And I was like, Lord, I'm so tired. But you want me to spend time with you? I know it's important. I was just getting very sleepy. And I open up to Proverbs 20 verse 13. And like God was just like saying, look at this now. Do not love what? Sleep. Do not love sleep now. Lest you come to poverty. What's poverty? Being broke. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with what, ladies and gentlemen? With bread. What God wants to feed His children with is the Word of God every single day. Can you say amen to that? And we need to survive the wilderness if we partake of the Word of God every single day. You will not make it out of the wilderness if you do not partake of God's Word. You will not... That's a matter of fact. You will not make it out of the wilderness. God wants us to understand this principle that we need to partake of God's word more than anything and make it a special part of our life each and every day. Can you say amen to that? But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, the devil wasn't done. Look what the Bible says right here. Now the tempter is turning into the devil. Matthew chapter 4. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the what? Pinnacle of the temple and saw, said to him, if you are the Son of God. Now watch this. Throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give His angels what? Charge over you. Now that's very interesting. Does anybody know where he's quoting from? Do you know what Psalms 91 is? It's a, Psalms about, it's a psalm about angelic protection. Now why is that interesting? When you read the end of the 40 days of temptation, the Bible says that angels showed up to minister with, to Jesus. And the devil knew that they would be showing up. So you know what he does? Shows up right before they do. In fact, he even quotes from Psalm 91 that talks about angels protecting the people of God. And he says to Jesus, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give the angels what? Charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He actually misquoted from Psalm 91. He expunged a certain part that talked about obedience. And what he was leading Jesus, trying to lead Jesus down, was the next step where many people fail in the wilderness. Presumption. The Jews had a, had a, um, a legend that the Messiah would be on top of the pinnacle of the temple and he would float down. Many of the rabbis talked about this. And here the devil says, hey, if you really are the Messiah, if you really are the Son of God, he takes him up and he says, throw yourself down. God is going to help you. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand something about presumption because presumption takes many people out in the wilderness. This one is very wily right here. Presumption. I love what Ellen White says right here. She says it better than I could ever say it. But faith is in no sense allied to presumption. Only he who has true faith is secure against presumption. For presumption is Satan's what? Counterfeit of faith. Faith claims God's promises and brings forth fruit in what? Obedience. Now watch the difference. Presumption also claims the promises, but uses them as Satan did to excuse transgression. Transgression. 
Now it's very important. Now we're understanding what is the difference between faith and presumption. Faith is saying, Lord, I'm trusting your promises. You're going to help me to be obedient. But presumption says, Lord, I'm trusting your promises, but I'm not going to be faithful to you right now. And what's happening is Satan is trying to produce a counterfeit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's like saying, if there is this nice, huge steak of just a giant elephant... You know it's unclean, and you're like, I know I shouldn't be eating this. And you say, Lord, I just want to pray a blessing on this food. May it strengthen and nourish my body so I can be healthy and have a clear mind for the rest of the day. Amen. Let's eat. Get my point? Presumption claims conditional promises without fulfilling the conditions. Let's continue. Presumption also claims the promises, but uses them as Satan did to excuse transgression. Faith would have led our first parents to trust the love of God and to obey the commands. Presumption led them to transgress His law. Do you remember what the devil told Eve? God will not destroy you. Believing that His great love would save them from the consequence of their sin. It is not faith that claims the favor of heaven without complying with the conditions of which mercy is to be granted. Genuine faith has its foundation in the promises and provisions of Scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be speaking very clearly and sharply to everyone right now. Right now, and I hope you're listening. Presumption is a big sin that is oftentimes committed by the people of God. Claiming the blessings of God while in disobedience is presumption. Saying, Lord, I know you love me, but I'm going to be doing this. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were saying, I was just sharing with them what the Bible is teaching. They said, yeah, I know the Lord loves me, but this is what I want to do. Ladies and gentlemen, that's presumption. That's dangerous ground. And God doesn't want us to be claiming those promises in disobedience. Because the devil shows up. In fact, this is what David said right here in Psalm 19, verse 12 and 13. Who can understand his errors? David is saying, look, I don't even know who I am in my heart. Cleanse me from secret faults. We have secret faults, you know that? In other words, faults we're not aware of. Keep back your servant also from what? Presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Ladies and gentlemen, God is trying to protect his people from presumptuous sins. And as I said before, many people are going to be tempted. And as they're learning these great truths, all of a sudden, the devil's going to show up with a temptation here or a temptation there, and he's going to say to you, just work this Sabbath. Just work this one Sabbath, you'll be okay. God loves you anyways. God loves you anyways. You'll get his blessings. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I'm speaking very clearly right now. As I said before, there are many believers who are not here anymore because they were tempted right afterwards. And they're still in the wilderness. The devil will come to you with presumptuous temptations. Claim the promises of God while you are knowingly, intentionally being disobedient. And by the way, do you know premeditated sin in the Old Testament had the greatest amount of punishment. And the reason why I bring this up, ladies and gentlemen, is because many times God would allow sin to come to its own fulfillment. And he would allow people to just their own, their own consequences of what would take place. And say, look, I tried to stop you. Ladies and gentlemen, if God is telling you not to do something, don't do it. Amen? If he's telling you not to do something, don't do it. 
The Lord is speaking right now. I know he is. Look what he does in Matthew chapter 4, the final temptation. And again, the devil took him up to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to put on your thinking caps right now. Was Jesus attracted to earthly glory? Yes or no? Was he attracted to gold? Was he attracted to these things of the world? Was he attracted to great riches? Yes or no? Then why would this be a temptation for him? Okay, I can't hear you. Why would this be a temptation for him? Okay, that's very interesting. We're going to hold on to your thought. Anybody else? Somebody else? He was what? So why would this be a temptation then? But this is says the devil brought the kingdoms of the glory, the kingdoms and their glory, showing the beautiful buildings, hiding the sin, seeing the great marble statues. This wasn't things that Jesus was attracted to. Why would this be a temptation? Appealing to his humanity. Very good. Here's the thing. This is very interesting. Unless you said something very interesting. Jesus knew something, and so did Lucifer. That this is what the Jews wanted. This is their version of the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew that if he got the kingdom of God, the the earthly kingdoms, you know who would be obedient to him? All the Jews. That point is also borne out in Desire of Ages. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very interesting, and I appreciate what Les said. This is a very unique temptation. What he's actually offering to Jesus is the loyalty of the Jews. And he says to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And this is what's presented. This is what his agenda is during the wilderness experience, ladies and gentlemen. His agenda is to cause you to break the commandments of God and to be obedient to the devil. Either we're obedient to Lucifer or we're obedient to God. It's one or the other, ladies and gentlemen. And what he was leading Jesus down to was this eventual path, was the path where he would be obedient to Lucifer. And by the way, you see the word worship right there? It's the word that means to lick someone's hand. The devil was really causing Jesus. He says, all right, I'll give you everything. I'll give you the loyalty of the Jews. They're going to follow you if, you if you just do this. If you get all the kingdoms and the glory, they're going to follow you. They're going to be obedient to you. You came for them. And he says, I'll give it all to you. And all you will have to do is fall down and worship me. And his agenda comes out, ladies and gentlemen. And this is what is his ultimate goal, is to cause you to be disobedient to God and to break His law. As I said before, there have been many people who have come into the wilderness and they never came out. Because right at the very end, instead of choosing to trust God, the world's temptations came upon them stronger than ever before. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling His people to be faithful to Him. You say to yourself, oh, the God never offered me the kingdoms. He never offered me fame. He never offered me to give me an acting spot in some great movie. He didn't offer these things. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? He knows your price. He knows your price. 
Some of you have a different price. For Judas, you know how much the price was? 30 pieces of silver. You have a different price. For Esau, a bowl of porridge. For Saul, another few years being king. He knows your price. Ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't have to offer all the world. He knows your price. And this is his agenda. Is to lead you to perish in the wilderness. But God is calling you to be faithful. He's calling you to be obedient to him. And to trust in the glory of God. You know what Jesus said to the Lucifer? Said to Lucifer when he brought this temptation to him, by the way? You know what he said to him? He said something else. He didn't just say, it is written. This time he says, get behind me, Satan. He exposes him. And by the way, when you're telling somebody to get behind you, what are you telling them to? Get out of my focus. Get out of my focus. And what Jesus was saying to Lucifer is, get out of my focus. And then he says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall worship. And he quotes from Deuteronomy. And you know what the Bible teaches right after that? He walks out of the wilderness. And some amazing things take place. Jesus survived the wilderness experience. Why? Because he clung every day to the word of God. Number two, because he had faith and would not commit presumption. And number three, because he would be obedient to to the commandments of God no matter what. Many of you guys are going to be tempted. The temptations are going to come. It could be a job. It could be a person. It could be a circumstance that's going to try to lead you away from what God is doing. And the devil has no problem with you continue coming to this church and not bearing any more fruit still. Ladies and gentlemen, it is his goal to see that you don't make it to heaven. But when you pass that wilderness experience, look what the Bible says right here. Deuteronomy 8 verse 14. God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions, all sorts of dangerous things. Thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with man. Now watch this. Which your fathers did not know. And here's the most important part of the wilderness. That he might humble you and that he might test you. And here's the reason why God led you into the wilderness. To do you good in the end. Do you know when Jesus left the wilderness? Do you know what the Bible says? The power of the Spirit was present everywhere. He was able to start his miracles right afterwards. You read the children of Israel, after 40 years, what happened? They finally entered into the Holy Land, and they were tempted right before the borders. Do you know Isaac? He found, he was given Rebekah when? 40 years old. There's hope for single people here, ladies and gentlemen. 40 years. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. And at the very end of it, that's when the burning bush is there. And he's given his calling that he lost several years prior. Over and over again. Those who pass the wilderness will experience the goodness of God if they are faithful. And it may come to a trying time. And for some, it may be 40 minutes. Others, it may be 40 days. Others, it may be 40 years. But if you make it through the wilderness, you will see the goodness of God. Can you say amen to that? You will see the good that God has been trying to give to you. But He has to make you trustworthy of that goodness. Can you say amen to that? Perhaps you're in your wilderness experience right now. Perhaps you just began your journey. And you said, Lord, I just started first day. God says, trust in his word. Have faith in him. Be obedient through the Holy Spirit. You may be in the middle of it, and God is saying to you, trust his word. Endure. Hold on to it. Do not deviate from the path of God. And perhaps you might have deviated, and God is calling to you today. Make a decision. 
Make that decision to choose to be faithful. Otherwise, you will not make it out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me when I'm saying this. Everybody has a wilderness experience. Everybody. Everybody. And God is leading you. And you may be at the very end of it. God says, hold on. The good that I have for you, it's coming. It's coming. Don't give up. Endure and you will see the goodness of God. Anybody who came to the end of the 40 years or the 40 days of the wilderness experience experienced abundantly more than they could have asked or imagined. Ladies and gentlemen, stay faithful to the Lord. Stay faithful to the Lord. God is calling you to be obedient. And as Jesus was victorious, His victory is your victory. Can you say amen to that? His victory is your victory. And you can claim His victory. You may be somebody who is struggling. And feeling like you're dying in the wilderness. God knows what you can handle, ladies and gentlemen. Can you say amen to that? He's not going to put you there to die. And if He called you in there, He's going to lead you through. You don't got a job? Wait. Wait till the right job comes. And the right job will not cause you to be disobedient to God, ladies and gentlemen. It will not. If it's called you to work on the Sabbath, it's not the right job. You say, I'm not going to accept this temptation. Even when you're hungry, you trust the Lord. You will see what He does on your behalf. Amen? The Bible says during the 40 years, He fed them with manna, and their shoes did not wear out because they were faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going through that wilderness experience, make it through. Amen? Trust the Lord. You will see the goodness of God. You will see what God will do on behalf of you. I want to end with this experience. I was somebody who moved out of my house. I came out of my house... I couldn't find a job. I had just become Adventist. I applied for a security job, worked two nights, two weeks overnight. It's the most difficult thing in the world to work overnight. But I said, Lord, I can't handle this job. I was working another job. Came to another job. That was it. They're all temporary jobs. And I was saying, Lord, you promised you would provide for me. I just made these decisions to follow you. And the temptations came, one right after the other. Some were offering to me so many things, just work on Sabbath, no problem. Others were causing me to compromise my ethics right before something God was going to do. And He led me through that. I never forgot, during my time down there, He gave me one of the best jobs that I ever got. But it came at the end of those temptations. Ladies and gentlemen, be faithful to God. You will be tested in the wilderness. Be faithful to God. Man shall not live by every man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You shall not tempt the Lord your God, and you shall worship the Lord God in him only you shall worship. Can you say amen to that? Jesus' victory is your victory, ladies and gentlemen. That victory is your victory. The Lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, and He will lead you out of the wilderness. Can you say amen to that? But hold on. Don't let go. Hold on. Don't give up. Trust the Word of God. Trust the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. God is speaking to you. Trust in Him, even when it hurts. Trust in Him. You will see His faithfulness and the goodness that is promised to you. David says this. I'm just reminded of this. David said, I almost fainted. But I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. He went through a wilderness experience. But God was faithful to him, ladies and gentlemen. Be faithful. Don't give in to these things. Choose to cling to God. And he will see you through. 
How many people by the raising of their hand says, Lord, I want that to be my experience. I want Jesus' victory to be my victory. I want to be obedient to God. God will help you. He will do it. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. God, we confess, Lord, that we are helpless. But like you led the children of Israel into the desert after the parting of the Red Sea, after you went into the wilderness, after your baptism, God, many of us are about to enter into troublesome times where we will be tested and tempted. God, where our hearts will be humbled. Help us to be obedient, God. To cling to you, Lord, as you clung to the Father. Jesus, help us. And those who are failing and struggling, Lord, go in to go get them and bring them out right now. If they hear your voice, Lord, let them accept it and choose to be faithful to you. God, we know troublesome times are coming and they're already here. And you're testing us, Lord. Keep us faithful, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.